it's become more comfortable to be with those guys. It just brings me joy to mm. be with those guys, knowing that they know me, they accept me, the good and the bad. This is the Men Refined Podcast. Hey friends, welcome to the Men Refined Podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Sifontes, and it is a pleasure for me to have my brother in Christ here, Jason Spears. Jason um, and his wife, Nicole, Third Crew Campus Ministry for 16 years, and right now they have transitioned into what is called Crew City for almost five years. They're based here in Erie, Colorado, and they are the parents of three daughters. One is in sophomore. Yes. Number two is in? Middle school. And then number three is in fourth grade. Yes. Perfect. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rafael. It's an honor to be here, man. I really appreciate you asking me. And uh, I'm excited. Thank you. So tell us a, lo a little bit about um, your ministry. Let's start there, right? Um, so you are with Crew, uh, something that is called Crew City, which I didn't know about before. We, we, we have worked in the past with campus ministry. But tell us a little bit about what is Crew City and, and what's, what's the vision here? What's going on in your yeah. ministry life and, and your family life? Absolutely. Yes, we are serving with Crew City, a ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ here in the U.S., and we are missionaries literally sent to the U.S. to reach people for Christ. Aaron Wheel. So in many, in many circumstances, we're helping people discover where their lives fit into God's story, because we think everyone has the opportunity to say yes to their life being a part of God's story, which is um, just an incredible thing. Um, we engage the curious, we equip the follower. Um, engaging the curious is essentially talking with people, having conversations with people that we normally bump into in everyday life, whether that's our neighborhood, or our workplace, or with our kids' sports. And we're engaging them in conversation, hoping that we might have the opportunity, that God might have the opportunity to turn that conversation spiritual and be able to talk about things that really matter. Like, you know, God created you, and He wants to have a relationship with you. And um, His He, he's standing at the door and knocking. He wants to come in and, and eat with you and have a relationship with you. And uh, equipping the follower essentially is discipleship. We love to make disciples, and, and what that means is helping, uh, I guess, little baby Christians become mature Christians. And that's what God hopes for us, and we get to come alongside the local church and kind of lead in those areas of discipleship and evangelism. So working for this organization, CREW, If you don't know about Crew, you're probably hitting under a rock. But um, it's a very well done organization. Um, it has a lot of reach, colleges, and is doing a lot of um, evangelism ministry out there. How do you end up with Crew, though? Well, it's a it's a fun story. Um, so I went to CSU, Colorado State University, up in Fort Collins, and I never thought I would do full time ministry or be a pastor or any anything like that. Let me stop you there. Sorry. Did you grow up in a Christian church in a Christian family home? I did. You did. Okay. Did. Just out of context. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. Um, you know, and I, I had a relationship with the Lord through high school. My parents did a great job of um, helping us get involved in church and, and grow. And I think I was I was definitely uh what I would consider a 
just a new Christian, I guess, even going off to college. Mm. Uh, but college, my experience there helped me grow leaps and bounds. But, um, you know, I ended up getting married um, my senior year of college uh, to Nicole, my wife now. We've been married uh, 21 years now. But I ended up getting a job with State Farm Insurance right out of college. Ended up being an underwriter uh, for the auto company. It was a job. It was a good job. I mean, it, it paid well. I wasn't necessarily excited about what I did, but I was content. I worked there for three and a half years, but that the last two years I worked there, my wife, Nicole, had the opportunity to intern with crew on campus. Mm. Um, she had just graduated with a teaching degree and wasn't exactly sure what she was going to do next. Uh, so she decided, well, I'm going to intern for a year with crew on campus and reach college students and we'll see what happens. And it ended up being something she absolutely loved. She ended up doing it two and a half years. And during that time, I got to know the, the staff at, at crew. She was, she was at UNC in Greeley, Northern Colorado. And so I would volunteer as I was working with State Farm. I'd volunteer to help with lead the weekly meeting and the worship while that was going on. And there was an amazing, amazing move of God, really, is the only way you could explain it, that was happening, happening at UNC at that time. There was, you know, 500 to 700 college students coming to our weekly meeting. Uh, there were hundreds of students involved in leadership. What, there, what year was this, Jason? Uh, this was uh, 2003, 2004. Okay. Yep. Um, there was hundreds of students involved in leadership. One fall, we saw 45 students come to know the Lord, give their oh, lives to Jesus. Praise God. And so I got to see that almost from a distance. You know, I was helping, but but I was at State Farm all day long, and I was I was like, man, I, I would love to be a part of something like that. And uh, it was on a short-term mission trip to Puebla, Mexico. We were down there, and I was sharing Ephesians 2 with uh two students down there who had just recently accepted Jesus and given their lives over to Jesus talking about faith versus works. Mm. And they grew up in a culture and a house where they, they thought works had a lot to do with faith and God accepting you. Mm. And so we were talking about, you know, you're saved by grace through faith alone. And it's not of what you can do, not of your works. It's the work of Christ on the cross alone. And I just remember Jose and Ramon were their names. And they just, they were so excited about me sharing this. And they thought, they, they actually said, why has no one told me this before? Mm. And so I got they to, were waiting for you? Yeah. <laughs> they were waiting for you? I was, uh, I was honored to be able to be in that spot where I could help people move from one place to another spiritually. And I thought, I want to I give my life to this. And so we made a decision to quit State Farm and join full-time with Nicole and it, it crew. So. And you haven't looked back. Haven't looked back. Since then. God's been faithful. Absolutely. Amen. Where we are in society, I think, is um, I like to learn from older men how they have survived, for lack of a better world, society, culture, this time and age, as, as dads, right? You're, you're a dad of three. Three girls, though. Woohoo! Um, I know what that means. I have two girls, two dogs, a wife in the house right now. I mean, it's just, wow. No wonder I'm part of so many men's groups. Girls, girls, girls. Uh, stuff. Um, <laughs> and, and challenging at the same time, right? How is that, how's that journey for you been? Because I, I didn't grow up in the church. Um, you know, for me as a dad, was was challenging, to say the least. Um, I was blessed. God put people in our path. As, as married couple, we had great mentors, great friends that 
pour their life into us and, and help us understand uh, who we are in Christ and where we want to where we want to be at with our family, etc. You know, as a man, right? How is the journey right now? What does that look like? And 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 how we grow? Because I, I do I do believe that that we men we we change each day. And and, and I hope that if you're listening to this, um, there's something that you're trying to get better at each day. Because we, we we're all in that process. Uh, you know, I think in 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 Christianity we call it the, the process of sanctification how we get sanctified sanctify through the word of Jesus Christ but really through the spirit and how it works in us and and through us and how we let the spirit work so you know through that change as we strive to change each day and we try to get better and we try to to surround ourselves with the best people that we can how does that look for you as a man as a dad now how has that journey been what have you learned in there though that's a really good question. And I just want to say up front, I'm on a journey. Whoever's listening is on a journey. And I have not even come close to figuring things out, hmm. you know. And there's a lot of things in my life that need attention. There's some things in my life where I feel like I'm in a really sweet spot, like God has gifted a sweet spot and I'm able to influence others and help them in those areas. Uh, but I'm not coming from a place where I've figured things out. I just want to say that. You're not um, helping me, man. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what we're here for, right? I want us. I want to know what you've done well so I can execute it too, you know? Because I, I do not have this figured out, man. I am the wrong person. I'm trying to learn how to raise two girls, one in high school going into be a senior, and another one next year is going to go into high school too. I'm learning. This is new territory for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have to give more, man. Yeah. Give me more. Okay. What do you got? <laughs> okay. I, I got I to gotta say this first, because I think many times when we think I'm doing well as a man, or I'm doing well as a father, I'm doing well as a husband. And when you say I'm doing well, we want to know what does that look like? Exactly. Right? We, I like action, That's action exactly items. I want examples. So when you say that, you need to explain what does that mean for you because it's all personal. That is exactly where I'm going with that because well for me might look different than well for somebody else. That's right. And I think well for me means I'm living my life for God and I'm living my life for the others around me. Who are, who are those? The others around me are my wife and my kids mm -hmm. first mm -hmm. and then the men that I... Uh, engage with and rub shoulders with in my Bible studies and mm -hmm. my one-on-one -on -one times in mm -hmm. our church mm -hmm. and that the people that God has put me around in our neighborhood, things like that, those come next. Mm -hmm. And I'm really doing well is, is living a lifestyle of being sacrificial as Jesus did, a servant leader. He is giving of himself. He gave himself to the point of death, mm. you know, and we are to model, model our lives after that. And so when I say, I'm, I'm doing well, it means that I'm living as an ambassador of Christ's kingdom. I'm yes. basically living an ambassador of his kingdom. And, you know, you look at an ambassador of a country, basically, they it's speak that language. Right? Yeah, they speak it's the language. They, they teach people about, you know, what that country is and what they value and what, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, so I'm, I'm an ambassador of Christ's kingdom. And if I'm doing that, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I think one of the things that is most important along that line to help me do well is a community of guys. And I would say, if you're a guy out there and you don't have one or two men 
that you can't just totally be yourself around. Like you can vent to them. You can, you can confess things that are embarrassing that you wouldn't say to other people. You know that they're going to encourage you and they're actually going to point you back to Jesus. That's an important one. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have men in your life where you could just let down and totally, completely just be you around, then you're really missing out on something important in a man's life. And I think there's many men out there who are isolated. How do you find those men? How do I find those men? You know, I what, think... What does it take? Because yeah. we hear that in the church. I'm very involved in men's ministries for many, many years. And, and, and you know, that's a very common denominator uh, within men's ministry overall is you always hear men saying, um, well, I don't have a group or I don't have a group of men and I'm looking for it. But are they really looking for it? Because mm -hmm. what is it going to take? The, I think the only thing that is going to take for that to happen as men is you got to try one and you have to spend time on it. Mm -hmm. That would be number two. Mm -hmm. if, if you don't have the bandwidth to put time into it, let's be honest, relationships overall, they need our time. Mm -hmm. If we want to grow in a relationship with anybody, with a man or in, as a co whatever relationship we're engaged with, it's going to take time. And I think time is a huge commodity now that men don't want to put an effort on. There's, a, you know, we hear all the time when you ask men about joining either a group or signing up for a men's retreat or anything that the church as an organization may, any event that the church as an organization may be putting out there just to try to make sure that they develop this space for other men to, to, to be together and then through that to create those relationships, right? Uh, the first thing that I hear is like, well, I got to check the schedule with my wife. That's one thing, hmm. right? That, you know, when I hear men say that, it just throw me off completely because I know 99% of the time they can make a decision even quickly, if they really have that interest in, in mind, they can pivot quickly, they, they can put it in their calendar quickly, and they don't have to ask their wife for it, mm -hmm. because they actually want to do that. You got sports in the mix, you got people golf. I mean, let's talk about golfing. I'm not a golfer, so <laughs> let's, let's have that there. But golf takes a lot of time. It's very demanding, time-wise, playing golf. And there's a huge amount of people that play golf. And I have nothing against golf. When golf becomes you're time consuming weekly, monthly, whatever, and, and you're isolated and you don't have men around you. And then you, you can't say you don't have time for it, right? We need to understand. And, and I, when I say we, I'm talking about men, we as men, we need to understand that we need to prioritize what's going to be good for us overall. Because I, I, I definitely believe that if we get better, our families get better and our communities get better. So we need to invest time in ourselves mm -hmm. and having the right people around us, having the best people that you can surround yourself with those people. And you say one, two men, I will say three, four, five, six men. The men, the more men that you have around you, the more of a tribe that you can be part of, mm -hmm. the better men you're going to come out in the other side. The Bible is very specific about community. Mm -hmm. You have to be in community. We're not created to be alone. We have to be in community with other believers. We have to be in community with other men, mm -hmm. as men. Yep. I think that's how we get better. I totally agree with you. I love, I love that. And you know, it's, it's more than just showing up at church. Oh, because 100%. you can be a faithful churchgoer, sit in the same place every Sunday, but you don't get to know 
a group of guys. I feel like in many ways, church <laughs> isn't even in the community category. In, I don't. I don't levels. think it is. Like small groups are. That's where. Bible that's where life happens, are, right? One on one. That's where life that happens. That is community. Right. That right. is real community. Yeah. I've heard somewhere where you're kind of the average of the five men that you hang out with the most. Yeah. You become that average. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. they rub off on you. Mm-hmm. So who do you really want to be your friend? Right. Make friends with the guys that you really look up to. Right. Like, I, w- I want to be more like that guy. Right. Mm-hmm. But that takes a lot of intentionality, though. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been multiple generations, but I think the lack of self-awareness in men has increased exponentially. It's mind-blowing how many men are, are not self-aware of what's going on in their lives. And I think one is because they don't want to deal with it. Let's be honest. You just don't want to deal with it, dude. And two, if you decide to deal with it, there's drama that is going to come into that bubble while you deal with that situation. Through drama, there's friction. Through, through the friction, there's sparks. But, you know, I like the analogy. It's like through that friction that, that generates that sparks, you know, that's when the fire happens. And fire purifies. If you have a, an issue with somebody, if you don't deal with it, if you don't try to figure this out, understanding that sparks will come out of it. Mm. But you got to man up through it, buddy. I mean, sparks are good. That friction, that's what needs to happen. Yep. I think a, a very valuable place to be in a men's group is where you can speak truth to another person in your group and they are already expecting you to do that. You know what I'm how saying? Do you, how, do you get, how do you get there? This is, this is important that you say that because, and, and I want to, and I, and I want to know how do you, how within your groups, you guys get to be at that place. I, I tend to be very upfront on my groups and, you know, it's one of those things that, okay, there's, there's a couple of things that are non-negotiable here is like, if you want to be part of this thing, you got to make sure you give permission to everyone here to speak into your life. Absolutely. If you cannot do that, this may not be the place for you. Yep. Absolutely. So how does that work in yours? So five years ago, when I gathered two guys to start a Bible study, I I basically was approaching a transition in our life. And I wanted these guys, I wanted to share the emotions that were going on with that change. I wanted to ask them, am I crazy for thinking this? Mm -hmm. Do you see these, you know, gifts in me that I would walk in this direction? Uh, They knew me on a level where I could ask those hard questions. Right. They knew me more than anyone except my wife. But then we, you know, we onboarded a couple other guys to this Bible study over time. And um, basically we, we, we had some values that we were going to abide by. And basically we're going to be in God's word. We're going to study God's word and talk, to, talk about it with each other. We're going to pray for each other. And we have permission to speak into each other's lives. Um, and so... Just that in and of itself breeds growth. You are growing more into a man from a boy, just being part of a community like that. And so I'd say even over time, it's, it's become more comfortable to be with those guys. It just brings me joy to mm. be with those guys, knowing that they know me, they accept me, the good and the bad. And they, they know me on a level where they can speak truth in a positive way Mm -hmm. say, you know, you are really good at that. Mm -hmm. You know, like what you did there was really good. Like they can encourage me. 
Right. But they also speak truth in a way where, you know, like, I, I think you went a little far there with what you said, or, you know, I, I think you're off track with what you said there or what you're doing here or there. And so that is so valuable to have in your life. I believe that even if you think, well, my wife is that, my wife is my best friend, I'd say, that's great. That's good. But can your wife bear all of those burdens that you have all the time and the things that you're thinking? And no way. I don't think necessarily no that it's designed for you to put all of that on her. It's a community of other men is, is, is a place that causes flourishing in a man's life. What about in trials, though? We as men, sometimes we have those trials as individuals, right? What I've learned through the years is that many men, for many men, it's hard to say those things to make themselves vulnerable in front of other men, right? I think that's a, that's a key element that sometimes is not talked about, even in, in, in groups, in a group setting. How do you manage that? How do you encourage for men to be vulnerable in, those, in that space, but at the same time to know and understand that this is a safe place? And I hate, I don't want to say hate, but I dislike to use that phrase safe, safe place. Cause it just, you know, the whole connotation on it, it just goes, it yeah. just, it has been abused <laughs> totally. Right. But, but I guess for men to understand that, man, you know, whatever happens here stays here, you know, and whatever we need to deal with it, we'll deal with it here. Knowing that you can count with any of these dudes in a moment's notice. One, uh, one of our friends always, I really appreciate him. He, he you know, he says that, you know, all these dudes, I can, I can pick up the phone call at 2.30 in the morning and I can call any of these dudes and any, any, any one of them will show up in my place at whatever time. And that's not an easy place to be at. That's not something that happens in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. That takes time. I think that takes vulnerability as men together, right? Mm -hmm. But it takes a lot of honesty. You have to be able to, to bring honesty into, the, into those relationships and leave the BS at home. Mm -hmm. you just have to. There's no room for BS in this room. Yeah. What do you say to that? How do you get there? I, I, my answer is probably going to be a little more simple than most people might think it would be. But basically, we just model what it means to listen well to someone telling their story, to sh someone telling, you know, if, if they see another guy in the group but sometimes you can fix it, though. About what about if you can fix it? And stuff like that. Yeah, no, It's what so a, tempting yeah. to, right? Well, have you tried this, man? Dude, like, I have uh, your solution, bro. <laughs> I have the solution. Just don't do it. Just stop it. Just stop it. It's true. It's true. I mean, and, and then that's, the yeah, guys like to fix things, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying we don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, we, we, we still, you know, try to fix things. But it is a safe place to share things. And we've modeled maybe even to the, the new guys that have come or, you know, it, it's just like when, when someone goes deep initially and is vulnerable, someone else and, and sees how everyone else responds to that, then someone else immediately feels more it's comfortable a trigger to effect, share. Right? Mm -hmm. They're like, Oh, wow. I think I could probably share. And, and the worst case scenario that was going on in my head about what would happen if I share, you know, I don't think that's actually going to happen. I think these guys are going to listen to me and accept me. And I'm actually curious to what they have to say about that. You know, the, being vulnerable, vulnerable breeds more vulnerability. How do you bridge the gap between your ministry and you working with Crew City and the groups that you're part of? What is your involvement, your involvement looks in the city, in the town of, 
um, where you live right now. What does that look like? What's your vision there? What's working? What's not working? Yeah, there's been a few exciting things that um, I've been able to be a part of the last couple of years. One of those things that I think God um, has just been just beginning to use in our community to build his kingdom is the Erie Prayer Breakfast. And it's just a yearly gathering on the National Day of Prayer in May where, you know, people from eight different churches in our community come together and uh, we ask town leaders like the mayor and a trustee and some business owners to come, school principal. You know, we, we have pastors interview these leaders at the breakfast, ask them what kind of their needs are, what their perception of the town is, and then they pray for them. And it's super simple, but it it's, uh, breeds unity within the body of Christ in Erie. And we know that when we do stuff like that and we, we build connections within the body of Christ, that the potential for God to move is greater. Mm. I believe that there's the potential mm-hmm. to move is greater. And so even just a small, small thing that was birthed out of last year's Erie Prayer Breakfast was a monthly pastor's gathering. Mm-hmm. So many of the pastors from Erie gather, and um, we just had one yesterday, actually. Uh, it was a fantastic time just where pastors could come together. Because, you know, pastors, many times they... Their community looks a little bit different being mm-hmm. in that role. Oh, yeah. I think it's many times harder for them to have that authentic community or, Absolutely, yeah. you know, just because of that positional title or whatnot. And so this is a blessing to them. And I'm able to help facilitate that uh, to, to encourage them. They pray for one another, um, talk about where they see God at work in, in their church and outside of their church walls in our community. And um, yeah, it, it's it's fantastic. So those are a couple things that I've been able to do. Um, another thing that I feel like God has opened the door for is that, you know, Nicole, my wife and I, we were able to meet with our daughters. Our two youngest daughters go to a school here in town. We were able to meet with the principal over the summer and basically sat down with her and say, said, how can we serve you? You know, how can we serve the school? And you might be thinking, well, that's that doesn't sound like ministry activities. You know, that doesn't sound like something that a missionary would be doing. But it's like, you know, these are the things that we think need to happen in uh, even America, especially, is we're Christians. We're going into the school saying, how can we serve you? Mm-hmm. And we're, we're willing to make things better for the school, for the kids, for the parents and serve you. So anyway, all that's to say. We suggested two things. My wife said, I'd love to volunteer to coach the middle school basketball team. And I said, I'd love to lead a monthly breakfast with dad, which is a breakfast where dads come to school before school with their kids and uh, have a quick breakfast and it's free. And we discuss a character topic. Dads introduce their kids at tables by saying, you know, this is my daughter, so-and-so, and I'm proud of you because... Uh, it's really powerful. Mm. So um, anyway, the the principal was excited that we were there, first of all, excited that we offered to volunteer to do right. these things, second of all. Because nobody volunteers in this school, though. So when they got somebody that yes. says, hey, I want to help, just tell me how. Exactly. Oh, they jump in. Right. Well, she said yes to both. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. And so so we just had our... Who doesn't want free labor, right? Uh, exactly. Well, in, and they see it as like, wow. We're getting dads in our school. Mm. Dads really do not volunteer in the schools. Like, you know, 5% of volunteers in the school are dads. Yeah. And so... But that's because we've got to work, man. 
we got to bring the bread, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you got to bring the bread. Yeah, you got I'm just more joking. important things to do. Yeah, <laughs> sure, of course. You got You got to be present, guys. You got to be present. Yeah. So you know, it was. So this is where the story turns. You know, unexpected is. You know, we we did a breakfast with dad at a couple different schools before 2020, and uh, you know they averaged. 50 to 75 people, you know, breakfast, uh, dads and kids. This was 2020, you said? Yep, yep. We did it, you know, 2017 through 2020, and we ended it at, you know, March 2020. I was just going to yeah, say, yeah. yeah, when do you end yeah. it? <laughs> 2020. And and you came back to it. Yes, but, but you know, we, they were they were great. You know, the principals loved it, the dads loved it, the kids loved it, and it was a great part of our ministry. I built a lot of relationships with dads uh, who, um, you know, yeah, it, it was it was a very, very fruitful part of our ministry. But this year, we expected, you know, this is a smaller school than any of those schools we'd done it at. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought, well, let's just expect 50 to 75. Well, that morning came, actually, I'll, I'll back up, a week out, we had 100 RSVPs. A day out, we had 155 RSVPs. And uh, the day of... We had 260 dads and daughters and sons walk through those doors. Mm. And to say that we met like a felt need in our community is an understatement. I think that the principal was standing at the door uh, as, as people were walking in and she like was eyes wide, shaking her head, like they just keep coming in, she said. Wow. And uh, yeah, I, they do. There mean, they, here they come. Yeah. It was, uh, it was absolutely incredible uh we had dads having to run and get extra food because we didn't have anywhere close to enough food to feed everybody um but the energy was high and there was probably a dozen dads that uh, came up to me and talked to me after that dad's breakfast that told me how powerful it was for for them Hmm. you know um so this one dad said i i had my my son hug me this morning and that never happens wow uh, my neighbor said, you know, there was a dad next to me with his two kids, and I was observing. I could tell he did not know his kids. Mm. He just didn't know them. and He, he really, didn't know what to do with He them. really needed to be there, is what my wow. neighbor said. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Well, he was there, and yeah. I think that's important. Yeah, right, exactly. That's the first step. Dads are in a place right now in 2020 where they feel like they need to connect their kids, and I'm not connect with their kids, and I'm not sure if that's kind of an aftershock of what happened the last couple of years. But um, maybe a lot of dads have worked from home, so they've been present but not engaged with their kids, and they've yeah, kind that. of gotten in the habit of just being present and not engaged. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is, but there is a, there's a felt need out there for dads to connect with their kids. So we feel like what God could do through this is, is outstanding. Um, we were able to share about Dad's Breakfast at our church a couple weekends ago and just invite dads to start leading it at their schools, their kids' schools. And I had six dads that are came up to me after church and there said, okay, I'm, I'm willing to get things started at our kids' school. That's great. So it's starting to multiply. That's great. Um, and I have a team, expanding team of dads uh, that are going to help me at my, my daughter's school as well. And and so all the, all the dads right now are Christian dads helping me out. Mm-hmm. We pray while we do our planning meetings. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to have other dads coming into that group yeah. that aren't necessarily Christians. Well, that's great. And they get to rub shoulders with us. Absolutely. And see, like, you know, they get to hear from me why I value so much being in my daughter's lives and right. doing something like this. Right. 
And uh, ultimately, of course, we want people to encounter Jesus. But many times, people's hearts are so hardened that if that's the first thing that comes out of your mouth, they're not, they're not going to receive it. And so that's why Jesus so often in Scripture, you'd see good deeds, he would heal people, he would cast demons out of people, and then you'd hear him say the good news. Mm-hmm. It's the good deeds and the good news and the good deeds and the good news. And I believe we're to, we're to mirror that as the body of Christ in 2020 and what it might look like to, to, to seek the good of the community we're in as well as preaching the gospel. It has to be both. Yeah, amen to that. That reminds me of the Apostle Paul's words that I'm paraphrasing. He says, just do anything you can to bring them into the family of God. Anything you can. Anything. And that's that's so important. Back when we were church planting in, 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 in South Florida, you know, those, those are one of the things that is like, we'll do anything. We don't care. Anything. Like, we'll bring, we'll try to bring anybody into the building. Um, that was that was basically the model, and, and and trying to be creative to be to engage the community is so so critical, mm-hmm. especially you know this time of days is it's it's unbelievable critical. So with what you're doing in Crew City, what are the needs within your ministry right now? What is something that uh, God has put in your heart, but obviously that you see as a need, and and what are you praying for? Hmm. Yeah, thanks, Rafael, and I just I just want to say I. I really admire you as well and your involvement in the community and the things that you do because you've got a lot on your plate as well. And you take the time, you sacrifice the we all time do, man. to be, to do good in the community. We got to serve, man. And we got to serve others. You're making a difference. So I just want to say, well done. Good job. And I think I'd say things that we're really praying for in our community is, um, we're praying for lasting fruit. Hmm. We're praying that believers would be connected to the vine because it's only through that that their lives would bear lasting fruit. fruit. And lasting fruit, a good definition of that would just be lasting fruit are things that matter beyond your lifetime. Oh, things generational that blessing, to right? eternity, really. Yeah. And so that's a good, that's a good uh, I guess, definition for that. But I'm also praying that... Um, that churches would be bold in evangelism. Hopefully we can maybe plant some seeds and do a little cultivation and groundwork to help those things happen a little more. But we'd love to see the strength of many churches in this area be evangelism because we know that the whole Western half of the United States, if you made that its own country, it'd be the fifth largest lost country in the world percentage-wise when it comes to church or unchurched. Fifth largest lost country in the world. There's... Every big city in the western half of the United States is only 5 to 10% churched, which means we are living in an extremely lost country, and this country just happens to have the most influence of any other country in the world. Yeah. And so we see what we do as very important, and so that's why I'm, I'm getting to, to answer your question. That's, you're good, man. To it, but, but I'd say one of the most important things we do in Crew City is we empower. We come alongside believers and we empower them to live out their faith where they live, where they work in their workplaces, where they play, where they work out, where the kids are in sports, where the kids are in piano lessons, whoever they rub shoulders with. How does that look like? When you mean empower, mm-hmm. right? Can you can you expand on examples? Can you give us some examples of, of how you do that? Yep. Or how God has gifted you and your wife 
to do this in other people's lives. Mm. Yeah, I would say empowering uh, is encouraging and equipping. Encouraging and equipping is not just something that happens over lunch. Mm -hmm. I'd say one of the most important things that we do to empower people is we help them get in the Word of God mm -hmm. regularly. Mm -hmm. They need to be in the Word of God. That's the most important thing as a believer that we can do. Because we look at our culture, and it's the way that our culture lives versus the way that God's kingdom culture is, and they're most of the time extreme opposites. And so if we're just living in our culture all the time with 99.9% .9 of our time, we're going to start looking like the culture. That's why we need to be in God's word and be, be seeing in the pages of scripture God's kingdom played out in community, in, in lost communities. First, we help people get in God's word. One, one specific thing that I'll, I'll tell you about is I love to meet with business owners. I love the fact that business owners could have so much influence on, on the people that they serve, essentially. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And so uh, I've had the honor of being mentored by a Christian business owner uh, for the last couple of years who has really figured out some things. I would say when I look at his business, he does things different than other businesses. And we should as Christians, right? It should be different. Well, we it are different. Look We're a same. new creation. Right. We're going to look different. We're going to act different. Yep. Yep. Our business is going to look different. And we can't be walking around on eggshells around the people that we lead thinking, mm -hmm. oh, I don't want to say something that might mm -hmm. offend. Mm -hmm. And I think many Christians are in that place. They mm -hmm. just like, well, I just don't want to mention that because I don't know if what I say might offend somebody. Right. But you also don't know if what you say might really change somebody's Oof. life and their family tree for come generations on, man. to that's come. So, that's so true. So anyway, this uh, I have a best, pra best practices for faith-driven business owners sheet that if there's any business owners out there that would like to see kind of some of these best practices for faith-driven business owners, I have a link for you. And we can put that link on the show notes. Okay, great. Yes, it's a, we'll add that link to the show notes. It's cityunite.org slash work. Um, and it will give you some fabulous ideas of how you can do things differently. And um, it, it, it's really exciting. I've been able to walk through this with a few Business owners, one I had lunch with yesterday, who's mm. excited about putting some of these into practice. Um, so that's just one small example. Um, Bible studies is, is another way. So ironically enough, <laughs> these Bible studies that I'm a part of were from various different churches. Mm -hmm. Like one Bible study were from, I guess, four different churches, and there's four of us. Mm -hmm. The other one were from four different churches, and there's five of us. Mm. And we've kind of come together in unity because of various reasons. Sometimes mm -hmm. just because we're already connected, we're already close, but sometimes a guy has not been in community and he's been in isolation. Mm. And I'm like, come man, join us, mm. like be a part of this community. Because I know that when you're a part of this community, when you have guys praying for you, when you're in God's word, you're going to live life in your workplace differently. You're going to live life in your neighborhood differently, in your family differently. And it begins, God begins to bear fruit in all areas of your life. So a Bible study is just one of those things that I think has the most impact on, on the way men live their lives. So that's just a couple things. Yeah. And in, in closing, um, Jason, really, you know, appreciate the time that you're taking to, to meet here 
in the studio and um, you know have these talks. I think it's important for for other people to listen, right? Where men are, where men are right now, because it's it's you know this is not a facade. I mean, we're all in this journey, mm. and we're still trying to figure this out. Man, it is so critical to be able to have a space where we can hear from others what others are doing what's working, what's not working. There's there's just so much. There's just so much that is out there that, that we can be talking about. If anybody that is listening to this episode today, um, whatever you are, driving or why not, I think it's critical that people, you know, be able to join forces with other believers to be able to see an impact, a generational impact and increase the kingdom of God. Um, where's, where's one place and, and why people may need to see a need to help ministries like you that are working for Crew City? And how can that happen, though? Yeah, thank you for asking. Like I mentioned before, I think missionaries within the U.S. are in some of the most strategic places as in the whole world. And so we uh, serve with Crew City as full-time missionaries. We mm -hmm. raise support for our salary, for our ministry expenses, for our benefits, all of it. And we've trusted God to, pro to provide for our financial support for decades, two decades. I would say, I do want to insert something too, is if you have a job where you get a paycheck every day, God's providing for you mm -hmm. as well, just oh, like yeah. he is for us. That oh, yeah. paycheck is a provision from God. It yes. is all from him. Right. And so when we raise support for our mission and we ask people to partner with us by praying for us, by giving to us financially... We know that they're giving to the Lord, yes, and we know that it's the Lord who's providing for us. Yeah, first and foremost, right? Absolutely. And so we would ask that if anyone's out there and this pricked something in your heart where, yes, this is exciting to me, I want to be a part of something like this, we would love to connect with you. We have a, a landing page you'd like to visit. It's give.crucru.org backslash 056-8825. And we'll add that. We'll add those links um, in the show notes. We would love the opportunity to have a conversation with you, no matter where you are on the planet. We could maybe have a video call or something like that. But um, when you partner with us, we we consider it as you're just joining hands with us with us in our mission that God has called us to in our city. Well, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate you. If there's any last words, they're all yours. Yes, thanks, Raphael. I. Uh, I just like to reiterate, if, if anyone would like to partner with us, um, we would love to share with you more about what God's called us to in Colorado, and we'd love to have a conversation with you. So you can just follow the link provided. Thanks. So all the links we'll put in the show notes uh, for this episode. And if it is in your heart, man, you can be part of what God is doing in Erie, Colorado, and how God is using Jason and his wife, Nicole, to bring more people into his kingdom. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And if this content is helpful to you, would you consider rating this episode and subscribe to the podcast? This episode was sponsored by Cyrecom Tech, your virtual IT department. 
Saricom Tech provides cybersecurity services, cloud services, IT support, infrastructure build, phone systems integrations, and much more. With more than 25 years of experience in the enterprise, Cyricom Tech is here to serve you. You can book a free consultation by calling 720-819-7388. Also on the web at cyricomtech.com. That is S-I-R-E-C-O-M-Tech.com. Until the next episode, God bless you.